Mike's Daily Podcast. I am so proud of my staff. And Mike's Daily Podcast. By staff, I mean the group of people that work for me. Hey, I'm a manager. My name's Mike Matthews. And I have no anger except when sometimes my staff does crazy things and they whine about stuff that's ridiculous. Like, I never whined about that to my boss. Why are you whining about that to me? I must be going out of my nut. Mike's Daily Podcast. When I hear you whine. Anyway, cafe anyway, but my staff did really good. My group did really good. Uh, last night there was Mike's a bunch of stuff going on in the live radio world. Podcast. And they did great. So yeah, I'm touting them at the beginning. Touting. And it is FF episode 2544, 2544. Mike Matthews here in Podcast Valley to the last place on earth. Where the sound of rushing water is amazing. The little creek just down the street is now a raging, roaring river. I'm glad I didn't buy a house right next to the river. Oh, but people are not so happy about the houses they bought during the pandemic. Yes, this is an article I pulled from MoneyWise. Kay Kingsman bought her first home in the summer of 2021, but she wishes now that she hadn't. She's a travel blogger. Yes, there's still bloggers based in Portland, Oregon. Do you know why there's still bloggers? Is because you, you do a little search like, oh, this is an interesting sounding town somewhere in the mountains. I'm going to look it up. And when you look it up, bam, her blog shows up. Depending on how, what, how much money the company pays Google to make that happen. And you know, you could save so much money switching to guy. No, not going to do that. Switching. No. Scrolling down. That's what you need to do. People, when they're... And here's today's podcast picture. The podcast picture, by the way, is of the rushing torrential waters of Alameda Creek. I took Bart to Fremont yesterday, and as I rode over it, I saw the creek, and oh my gosh, it's it's not usually like that. But now I understand why they they spent like a year, two years working on it. While well, they had the downtime, and it's a good thing they did because it could be a lot worse. That is the creek that had this big old inflatable dam that some kids, some teenagers went down and popped it, and all this water rushed and uh, went everywhere. That's right, the late great Basil the Boxer and I walked along Alameda Creek when he and I were, well, when Basil was alive, and he and I would walk everywhere, all over. Alameda County, the Bay Area, on many, many great walks. And I've posted many wonderful podcast pictures from our walks. But this uh, river picture, you see it at mikesdailypodcast.com for Alameda Creek, which is now a river. But yes, so travel bloggers still exist. And so she's based in Portland, Oregon, and she says she decided to buy since she had plenty of money saved up from not traveling during the pandemic and mortgage rates were extremely low. But like many other pandemic home buyers, she rushed into buying a home that didn't fully align with her needs. And now she's dealing with the consequences. Nearly three fourths of Americans who purchased homes last year and the year before have regrets. 
This according to Anytime Estimates American Home Buyer Survey. And that was released in September of last year. Pandemic era buyers really faced these unprecedented conditions, said Amanda Pendleton. She is a home trends expert at Zillow. You know Zillow, where you go there and you see how much your house is worth. And that's going lower and lower by the second. The combination of rising prices, few options to choose from, and that extreme time pressure meant that some buyers really ended up at a home that was less than ideal. Many pandemic home buyers made big compromises. Rushing through the buying process meant a number of buying buyers compromised on crucial elements like price. That estimate I mentioned earlier, that uh, anytime estimate survey, respondents to that survey paid a median price of about $4,095, almost $500,000 for their home, with almost a third paying over asking. Remember all that? People paying over asking? And it's funny, there's still realtors that think that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to happen. They're going to buy. Everybody's going to go. Yeah, so everybody, everybody's going to buy. And uh, yeah, so they're all going to buy it. And no, they don't. Meanwhile, 80% of buyers also compromised on their priorities, like finding the right location. Some bought fixer uppers, while others made offers without seeing the properties in person. Like this uh, travel blogger, 70% of buyers from the survey were purchasing a home for the first time. After seeing a previous listing snapped up within a day, she was determined not to fall behind. Fear of missing out. Homes were selling so much above market rate, I didn't want to wait too long. And I was kind of swept up in this fast go, go, go motion. Here's the thing. Before buying a home, make sure you've done your research and you've established your priorities. I have heard some house experts say, hey, before you buy the house, show up one day. Just hang out all day in the neighborhood. Walk around. Get there early. Get there late. See what it's like. See what if you've got a bunch of traffic. I did not know that my house had two buses uh, that would drive past it every hour. Actually, no. When I first moved in, there were four buses. No. <laughs> I'm misremembering this. Some hours of the day, there were five buses. But there, there was this uh, one bus called the NX4. And the NX would cross the Bay Bridge. So it'd pick you up in Podcastro Valley and then make a couple stops along the way and then cross the Bay Bridge bridge into San Francisco and so you could commute to San Francisco using this bridge and it had Wi-Fi it sounded like it was pretty nice I never took it it's gone the pandemic killed it thank God because it was a loud scary big bus and my street's not that big I'm surprised nobody ever got killed by that bus and I'm thankful of that of course but and no big accidents because of that bus but it really crams itself into this small street and the city of Podcaster Valley does nothing about it. But anyway, cafe anyway, that bus is gone. And then uh, AC Transit, which is our Alameda County Transit, they decided, hey, we don't need that many buses going down your street, Mike. 
As we go outside a cafe anyway, we we're bringing you Mike's Daily Podcast somewhere in Podcaster Valleyton, the last place on earth. No, they didn't actually say they could care less about me. But for some reason, they scaled back two buses an hour. So now there's only two instead of four, instead of five. What, what in the world was that about? Which I have on occasion taken that bus. There's one bus that can take me down to the Podcaster Valley BART station. Another bus can take me down to the Hayward bus station. And I used to do that. Go down to the Hayward bus station at seven in the morning. And there would always be this guy who's probably a little bit older than me. Stringy, long hair. Look, I don't have hair. And if God came along and said, Mike, hey, your podcast is really entertaining. I get a lot of good information from it. You entertain me with your bizarre personality. I'm going to give you some hair. The only caveat, because God uses big words like caveat, because God's big. God says, hey, I will give you this hair, but it's going to be stringy little, thin little, weird hair. And it's completely white. And I would say, God, you're great. You're good. Thank you. No. Go ahead. Give that hair to someone else. To a young person that wants hair. I don't know. That never had hair. And, you know, should experience hair at least once in their life. I am fine, fine, fine being bald. That no reason to have that. So this guy with the stringy hair reeked of cigarette smoke. Always wore a red jacket and white pants. Always had to wear white pants. And then I think he had these red tennis shoes or vans or Nikes or something. I never pay attention to shoes. I don't understand this weird bubble in our society that's getting bigger and bigger. But it is a bubble, so at some point it will pop. And that's these people that are... There's a group of people of, of, of shoe lovers... And I know women, the, the stereotype is they love shoes, like Imelda Marcos, who is going to be played by Sharon Stone. Is that what I heard? That doesn't make sense. But a lot of people like shoes. I don't understand paying crazy amounts of money for shoes, athletic shoes, tennis shoes, any shoes. I don't get it. I always go online. I go online to find the shoes. I hate going to shoe stores. Payless shoe store going there was a complete, that, that was like torture. Even though you could get some great deals on shoes, it was just torture. Sitting there, listening to the canned 80s music, hearing, waiting for a star to fall by the Boy Meets Girl and other wonderful 80s songs that you only hear in Payless Shoe Stores. And I'm glad that I don't have to do that because I can just order it online and most of the time they fit perfectly and it's great. The point is, this guy had stringy hair, reeked of cigarette smoke, and he would yell at the bus driver, which I found just rude as all can be. Just get on the bus. And he, he complained once. I remember he said, you, you stopped way too far for me to get on the bus. This guy's perfectly fit, except for the fact that he's killing himself with cigarettes. Anyway, Cafe Anyway, I was so glad when the pandemic hit. And I made, I had to, I was forced to no longer take the bus. I was forced to no longer go to work. I got, I was told by my management, just work from home for now. So I no longer had to take that seven o'clock bus and deal with that stinky guy. 
and he would always sit right near me and I'd just be like, oh, I can't breathe. Oh, but it takes all kinds, doesn't it? But thank you, God. No, I don't need the hair. Here's the thing. The, uh, this uh, person bought this house, did not realize it was not everything that she should have researched and, and looked at. And she says that her only priority had been to find a home that was close to her place of work, but wishes she had considered other factors like updated plumbing and proximity to green spaces and trails. She also recounts finding beard shavings in the bathroom. What? That is a bad real estate agent who was ever involved with that. Usually there's two real estate agents. Somebody should have caught that. And she said the carpet smelled of cat urine. No, no, no. The water pressure was weak. Her air conditioning was busted. She also discovered she had no parking privileges thanks to a messy lawsuit that the former owner left behind. These are all things that if you're a millennial or a G-Zennial, you're going to run into. These are things that people don't tell you. In our society, we are always saying, buy a house, buy a house. You need to buy a house. You need to put down roots. You need to invest in a house because it's only going to make money. That's not always true. Plus, when you buy a house, you're on the hook for everything now. Something breaks, you got to fix it. If the basement leaks, you got to suck it up and buy two dry vacs to get all that water out of there. And whenever there's a downpour, like we have so often these days, you start to worry. You can't sleep because you're hearing the downpour. You're worried about downstairs, the the, the flood of water that's going to be burbling up. (laughs) There's a million other things to worry about when you own a house. Is the roof going to leak? Is it going to catch on fire? Is my water heater going to blow up? Is the heater going to stop working? And it goes on and on and on. Should I get a gas stove? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to not get a gas stove. But then again, it is a blank slate. It is a canvas for you to create whatever you want if you have enough money. But then again, you're going to run into contractors that are going to say, hey, I'll give you a great deal. And then they're never going to show up. And it goes on. It's it's the it's the whole adulting thing that drove us crazy as Gen Xers when we heard Gen Zers say that. Yeah. No. Let's talk about Kellyanne Conway real quick. She argued in a New York Times op-ed that Donald Trump has a path to victory in 2024. To do so, Trump's campaign needs to avoid the disastrous mistakes it made in 2020. Yes. She is going on the reasoning that it was Trump's fault, that Trump needs to take responsibility instead of blaming voting machines and some dark cabal living in Silicon Valley over here in the tech world, because there's all these liberals in the tech world that didn't want him to win, and they somehow manipulated the voting apparatus. Trump's 2020 campaign quickly spent a majority of the 1.6 billion it raised. Quickly spent it. That was according to the ABC News. This article from Business Insider. She is Donald Trump's former White House counselor and she believes that Donald Trump's 2020 campaign was made disastrous mistakes. 
wasted $1.6 billion from an election war chest that in part led to its chaotic election loss. She argues that Trump has a pathway to victory in 2024 despite his ongoing legal woes, a lackluster performance by his preferred midterm candidates, and some criticism about his bombastic personality. Shrugging off Mr. Trump's 2024 campaign or writing his political obituary is a fool's errand. He endures the persecution and eludes prosecution like no other public figure. That's true. That could change, of course, she says, though that cat has nine lives. To be successful in 2024, and this comes from a lady who's married to someone who disagrees with her all the time on political stuff. I think you need to disagree with people. You need to have these conversations and get the... That somewhere in the middle you, you find the reality To be successful in 2024 She wrote Trump needs to avoid Several mistakes he made In his last election run Including the disastrous mistakes In personnel Strategy And tactics All done In the 2020 Trump campaign With roughly $1.6 billion to spend And Joe Biden as the opponent The 2020 election Should have been a blowout Instead, they proved the adage that the fastest way to make a small fortune is to have a very large one and waste most of it. She doesn't delve further into the specific strategic or spending mistakes the Trump campaign made. Baloney. And speaking of that, there is another article here by Raw Story by Tom Baggioni saying that Donald Trump's home hopes of running for president in 2024 could suffer a fatal blow later this month when a judge in Georgia hears arguments regarding the release of a grand jury report over his involvement into possible election tampering that one legal scholar predicts could be momentous. Wrong. This is uh, from The Guardian's Chris McReel, the grand jury report now in the hands of the judge and if the report recommends prosecution and is made public, it could lead Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis to follow through and drag the former president into court. As the report notes, the 23-member panel wrapped up their work last Monday and specifically requested the report be viewed by the public, something Trump's lawyers will likely try to stop. And there is a this one legal scholar says... Uh, The former president is at a substantial risk of prosecution There is a wealth of evidence that could lead to prosecution For improperly influencing government officials Forgery and criminal solicitation Um, According to the Guardian report If the grand jury's report recommends prosecution A county district attorney in Atlanta, Fannie Willis Will face the most consequential decision of her career Whether, for the first time in American history To charge a former president with a criminal offense That could result in Trump sitting behind bars in Georgia When he expects to be out on the campaign trail Provided he is not already serving time as a result of a federal investigation into his attempts to pressure election officials in several other states to rig the vote and his part in the January 6th, 2021 storming of the Capitol. 
And those working with Willis say she is unlikely to shy from prosecuting Trump if she deems it appropriate. She is known to be a fan of anti-racketeering laws, having used them to prosecute public school teachers who are part of a cheating scandal. If Willis decides to press ahead with the case, she will need to convene a regular grand jury, which has the authority to hand down indictments. But what did what did uh, Conway say? Trump's got nine lives, as we all know. And this little bit of interesting news. The immigration rhetoric in the U.S. has focused on sending migrants back to Mexico. There is another burgeoning phenomenon that remains largely ignored. Americans migrating to Mexico. In the last decade, Mexico has become the top nation for U.S. Americans to move to. I find that believable because there's someone that I used to work with. She and her husband want to move to Mexico. They've been making plans. Now, this trend ramped up during the pandemic. There are now a record number of U.S. Americans becoming temporary residents in Mexico as of 2022. According to an analysis from Bloomberg, there was an 85% increase between 2019 and 2022 in the number of Americans becoming temporary residents in Mexico. Americans also are choosing to move to Mexico because of the easy process compared to other countries. A majority of the expats flocking south work for U.S.-based companies. They earn U.S. dollars and take advantage of a favorable exchange rate and don't need to go through the cumbersome process of requesting a visa if they plan on staying there for 180 days or less. Some neighborhoods in Mexico City are beginning to mirror gentrified areas in the U.S., like East Austin, Texas, Brooklyn, and Miami's Wynwood District. That is a group of people speaking English. Oh, there's lots of you, you apparently can you notice a lot of people speaking English in Mexico City, according to this article. This article from USA Today. Back to real quick though The uh, whole presidential stuff And stories Now Joe Biden He's got his scandal going on Before it was all Hunter Biden Hunter Biden Hunter Biden If you hated Joe Biden That was your way of Getting at him Now the document story The Joe Biden document story As it's called The biggest problem With the story is We only know What Joe Biden's lawyers Have told us and the appointment of a special counsel to investigate the case will make the problem worse. This according to the Washington Examiner. The initial fact that Biden, after his term as vice president, ended, kept some classified documents in his possession was revealed by a team of Biden lawyers. In making a public statement, they noted that the discovery of the classified documents, this was back on November 2nd of last year in Biden's old office, at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in D.C. was made by a team of Biden lawyers. We only know of the situation because of the Biden lawyers. Biden's vice presidency ended in 2017. He began using the Penn Biden office in mid-2017. He became president in 2021 with the Oval Office 
and plenty of workspace right downstairs, he no longer needed the Penn Biden office. So why was it not until November 2nd of last year that his lawyers were emptying the old office? Why does it take a team of lawyers to clear out an office? Many people use movers. They said, the Biden lawyer said simply that documents were discovered when the president's personal... I I will give you... I will defend the president on this. (laughs) You know how lazy and how, how badly you procrastinate on stuff. Oh, I'll get to that box. You, you, let's say you move somewhere And you have some stuff in boxes Some people take years to unload all the boxes Once they've moved I know that was my case I moved to Alabama I had a bunch of stuff boxed from California I did not unbox everything I did not unbox everything Two years went by We decided we were going to move back to California But to a different part of California The Bay Area and I'm like, well, these, this stuff is already in boxes. Let's just retape it up and go. So part of our job is already done because we procrastinated. And sometimes procrastination works out to your benefit. However, there was this one box that once I moved here, I still never opened it. I kind of opened it a little bit, but I just kept everything in the box. And I didn't completely remove everything from that box until New Year's Eve of last year when we got hit by that crazy big thunderstorm, atmospheric river. It was more of just a rainstorm. I never heard any thunder. And the box got wet because of all the water hitting my basement. And there was some stuff that got damaged, some stuff that's irreplaceable, like the Beyonce song. But there was some stuff I was able to save but there you go That's that's stuff that just sat there I finally emptied it Last year So Or uh, Just a few weeks ago This after it being in a box For well over a decade So That's my little defense in that area And I could also be defending Our last president When he had stuff boxed up And sent to Mar-a-Lago So At any rate I'm just saying it's a human nature thing Maybe not necessarily a bad president thing But you know We expect more of our presidents don't we So they were uh, The the documents were said Were discovered when the President's personal attorneys Were packing files housed in a locked closet To prepare to vacate office space At the Penn Biden Center in D.C. Uh, They were But why were they doing it at that moment? Why were the lawyers there? Beware when the narrative starts in the middle, advises Jason Foster, a former longtime investigative counsel in the Senate and now head of Empower Oversight. It may mean someone didn't want you to know how it began. (laughs) Because you'd be in jail. That makes sense in some way. Uh, The Biden document story starts in the middle. We don't know how it began. How did the classified documents end up in the former vice president's possession? We don't know. To the documents found in Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, the same questions apply. How did they get there? When did they get there? Did Biden himself use them? Did he move them around once they were there? 
Again, what we know comes from the president's lawyer, Richard Sauber, a special counsel to the president who the White House says was hired to deal with the investigations from the new Republican-controlled House. They released a statement saying that the discovery of the Penn... Uh, Biden Center documents the president's lawyers have searched the president's Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach, Delaware residences. The other locations were where files from his vice president office might have been shipped in the course of the 2017 transition. Even though the Penn Biden Center discovery occurred on November 2nd, Sauber said the search of the Delaware houses was completed last night, meaning Wednesday night, meaning January 11th, just last week. Why did Biden's lawyers wait so long to search the houses? Biden's lawyers did not say. They did say they were coordinating closely with the Justice Department. In any event, Biden's lawyers said they discovered a small number of classified documents at the president's house in Wilmington. All but one of these documents were found in storage space in the president's Wilmington residence garage. One document consisting of one page was discovered among stored materials in an adjacent room. The president himself in remarks at the White House Thursday added that the adjacent room was his personal library. Those White House remarks, by the way, were the ones in which Biden defended the storage of classified material in a garage close to his beloved 1967 Corvette sports car. My Corvette is in a locked garage, okay? He said in response to a question from Peter Ducey from Fox News. What an unfortunate last name. So it's not like they're sitting out in the street, he said. With that, Biden seemed to suggest that the security for a really cool vintage car is certainly sufficient for classified documents too. And that is a, a sentence that's rather snarky from Washington Examiner. I think he's <laughs> the, this. The, whoever wrote this does not really. I'll tell you who wrote it. Uh, Byron York. So there you go. Byron York doesn't quite realize how important people's cars are. Well, how important an older man's car, a Corvette, is to that person. Oh, he's got a show called The Daily Memo, Byron York, on Ricochet Audio Network. So, take that with a grain of salt. Maybe a whole uh, block of salt. My final part of this podcast that I know has been a bit rambly and interesting and maybe not so interesting to you. Whatever. This is interesting. Wow, this is interesting. Here we, uh, here we are with the last thing, and this is... I don't know if you're in a relationship with someone. There may be an age gap with whoever you have a relationship with or had a relationship with. But apparently, according to The List and Kylie McCreary, there is an ideal age gap. Whenever a celebrity couple with a sizable age gap gets together, the public's response is usually negative. Leonardo DiCaprio and Camilla Marone with a 20-year age difference or Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher, they were 15 years apart. People are usually winners. Trump and uh, Melania. People are usually skeptical that... Uh, and Macron, the French guy, president, and his uh, prime minister and his wife. She's older. People are usually skeptical that relationships with large age differences are healthy. It's likely that a lot of this backlash comes from social taboos. 
However, this doubt is not entirely unfounded. A study published by the Journal of Population Economics revealed that partners further apart in age are actually less likely to be satisfied with their marriage. What a surprise. In addition, they are shown to be less adaptable and compatible with working together through major life changes. Economic economic hardship, illness, children, other life-altering events are likely to bring greater damage to their relationships. Conversely, married couples who are closer in age are likely to be content in their relationships. Couples that are somewhat somewhere between uh, zero years apart to three years apart are likely to maintain the most satisfaction in their relationship. This is attributed to their similarity in life stages. It's all about life stages. Couples that are closer in age can relate to one another better and share a similar sense of age wisdom. Brandy Porsche, who is a marriage counselor, notes that even if the age gap is small, like four to five years, different levels of maturity can be observed. If there's a major discrepancy in the emotional maturity of two partners, this could put the relationship in trouble. One partner may take more responsibility in a relationship, while the other may inflict frustration and conflict due to immature behavior. And while older doesn't necessarily mean wiser, it does have some practical differences that could lead to a partner clashing with the other partner. When partners are in different phases of life, they are more likely to have different priorities. As a result, their compatible their compatibility decreases. Discord may come as one partner reaches later life stages sooner. Things are having different goals. Things like having different goals or arguments about when to have kids could put a strain on the relationship. However, it must be emphasized that these studies are simply showing overarching patterns. We can only really assess a couple's compatibility by looking at them on an individual level. It's true that age differences can make a relationship more difficult, but while talking about couple dynamics with Psych Central, a certified psychotherapist named Lee Phillips said, what it comes down to is all partners want to feel seen and heard. If they can validate and show empathy, this brings healing and balance to their relationship. So don't write someone off just because they don't fall in the zero to three year age difference. If differences arise due to age, your success as a couple will depend on your ability to work through those together. Rather than focusing on arbitrary traits that bring you together, you should focus on more internal compatibility. Find your connection instead in your values, in your philosophies, and your shared experiences. Through respect, honesty, wow, those two, those two, those two, if there was, if the relation, if, if you could look at a relationship, like a rocket ship, respect and honesty, that is the fuel that is propelling that whole thing together to uh, move it through space and hold it together. I don't know. It's the glue. It's the whole thing. Respect and honesty. And then, of course, communication and 
Healthy boundaries, couples, old, young, or a mix of both can create a healthy and lasting relationship. There, so through respect, honesty, communication. That's what you need to be able to. That was something I think my dad told me, even though he had two <laughs> divorces. It's all about communication. Speaking of which, let's, commu- let's communicate now with some people outside of cafe anyway, here in Podcastro Valley to the last place on earth. Hi, Mark. It's Benita the Rodeo Queen. How y'all doing? It's a disgruntled player, tell you what. What? Benita and I, we're like the same age, so we always agree on everything. Everything's fine. Tell you what. What? You know, you can be with someone, if you're old and you're with someone who's really young, I guess, you know, you could, I guess you could ask Billy Joel about this, but like, you could just talk about stuff, like music, if you both really like music. That's your value. As long as you respect and communicate, everything's fine. Do you and Benita talk about fiddles? No, because I hate fiddles. I'm the disgruntled fiddle player. Oh, that's right. Look who else is here. Hello, Mike. I make the delicious root beer house right now. Thank you, disgruntled fiddle. I mean, uh, disgruntled brewmaster, whatever. Brewmaster, let me try this wonderful root beer. Drink it right now. I'll cut you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, is this this uh, dandelion root beer with a hint of chicory? Yeah, I made it right now. I'm gonna drink it. Can you? I know. I did. Listen, that's some of the data from that article about uh, age gaps and whatnot, and it came from something called the list, which I have no idea what that is. Oh, it's like a. It asks questions like, what is pregnancy knows? What is pregnancy knows and is it dangerous? Chunky 80s inspired jewelry is set to knock the minimalist trend off its throne. (sighs) The minimalist trend. (laughs) So that minimalism has caused more than a few arguments in relationships I've had in the past. Mike, you have too much junk everywhere. You need to get rid of stuff. Why do you hold on to stuff? Well, listen, I fixed something the other day using a random piece of rope that I have held on to forever. Some people, why would you need that rope? Well, look, I'm using it now. I, I was waiting for a rainy day and literally now there is a rainy day and I used the rope to tie down the tarp to uh, the to the house so the water wouldn't get in the house. That kind of, So it's helping. Some stuff helps that you hang on to for a long time. I understand holding on to newspapers that are 30,000 years old. When you can just look up that newspaper online, that makes no sense. Let's not replay that one. But hey, old photos, pictures that are actually on film that you can't find anywhere else they're not online they're not you know that's important stuff too hang on to those clothes you never wear donate them sure that makes sense but I mean I've got some I got a lot of stuff in my kitchen I end up using it all at some point it's just doing inventory and who wants to do that next show it's going to be the wonderful 
Matt and Rudy Valentino and Bison Bentley. You can chime in and tell me what you think about anything that we covered today. 336-MM-DAILY. 3 plus 3 equals 6. MM is in Mike Matthews. Daily as in what this podcast has been for a couple days. Sometimes I get interrupted. And with more ways to reach me, it's A-Frame. Mike's Daily Podcast is written and produced and performed by Mike Matthews. His podcast is super easy to find. Download or listen to his show and read his blog at mikesdailypodcast.com. Email Mike now at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow. Bye.